0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. (laughs) You're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. All glory, all honor, all praise and thanksgiving. So many situations of life go. So many circumstances that we run into. So many things that would try to cause us to be downtrodden. Burdened down. Depressed. Oppressed. But you already paid the price. In the midst of all the circumstances. The situations of life. Even when we were apart from you and did not know you. You knew us. And you loved us. God, you sent Jesus to die for us. Jesus, you accepted that call. And you bore in your own body our sin, the pain, the sorrow, the consequence. In your own body, you died for us. Paid that penalty. The wages of sin was death. You died for us, our substitute. Then God raised you from the dead. Seated you at his own right hand. And we are found in you. You're worthy of praise. You paid the whole price. Things that we could not do, you did for us. We thank you. We praise you. And we magnify you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In saving our life. Redeeming our life. Justifying us. Setting us apart. Drawing us out of darkness into your glorious light. So much that you've done for us. We get distracted. We forget about it. You said don't forget. Keep in the very forefront of our thinking. The very things that you have done for us. That we wouldn't be overwhelmed by life. But we would be encouraged by what you've done for us. So even today, we thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. You know every heart. You know every life. You know every circumstance. You know why people are here. You know what their struggles are. You know what their successes are. You know it all. We ask you to minister to every heart and life. That every single person here would have some level of encounter with you today. That they might go from this place knowing that you exist. Knowing that you're there to help them. Knowing what Jesus has done for them. That will carry them into circumstances of their life. And they might depend upon you, have faith in you, and rise above those circumstances, whatever they are. And be able to break forth in praise, even in the midst of difficulty, knowing what you have done for us. We thank you for utterance to speak, ears to hear. We give you all the glory, the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We pray right now over these prayer clause. These who, uh, the claws represent those who've been infirmed. Sickness has attacked their bodies. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Spirit of God. Just like in Acts, the 19th chapter, where handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of the Apostle Paul, brought upon those who were sick, demon-possessed. Spirits left them, and their bodies were healed. We thank you for healing power being released even now to bring an effect and a cure. Father, we thank you your power is present right here in this place to heal, to deliver, to set free, to make whole and to prosper. We thank you. We give you glory, we give you honor in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Good morning church. How are you this morning? Welcome, what a great day to be alive, what a great day to serve God, what a great day we live in, what a beautiful day outside, amen, great reason to rejoice. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. If you believe that, you can be seated. It's good to be with you all this morning, and uh, I believe God has some uh, great things for us, much going on right now. Uh, uh, many celebrations, um, situations. We have all the graduations, as Pastor Tasha said, uh, for, for really all levels uh, of whatever age group you're in, there's, there's it's graduation time. Amen. That's a good time to celebrate uh, as we step out, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, preschool. When I, when I grew up, you didn't have preschool graduation. You didn't have elementary school graduation. We didn't even have uh, junior high graduation, you always look forward to, to uh, uh, you know, your high school graduation, college graduation, but now you know the preschoolers, they get to graduate, and uh, elementary school, and really it's just saying, you know what, the, the accomplishments or the time that we've spent is important to the next time that we're moving into, and so we're graduating, we're going from one level to the next. The Bible even talks about that, we're going from faith to faith, and glory to glory, And so this is not the end, you know. And so we celebrate that in different times, in different places. Uh, But we want to congratulate everyone who's graduating right now. We're celebrating Memorial Day weekend. Again, uh, such an important time for us as a nation to remember. What has done for us, Pastor Tasha said, you know, uh, the Bible says greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. And the, the men and women that have gone out because they, they love this nation and they gave their life for us. And we're able to be here today and just worship God, throw up our hands, be as loud as, as we want to, uh, and, 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 you know, express ourselves freely because people gave their life. And so we get to do it freely, but it didn't come free. It came at the expense of lives to keep that freedom and to live in the nation that we live in. And, uh, you know, we we can always take time and and maybe examine the trouble that, you know, we think is in our nation. But at the same time, uh, we still live in one of the greatest nations in the whole world. And uh, people gave their life for our freedoms. And so we want to remember that. Remember those who have gone before. Uh, just remember the sacrifice that took place, not just for the individuals, but for their families uh, as they gave their sons and their daughters uh, to that uh, for, the, for our nation. And then we are, are celebrating as a, a, a church, uh, Christians, uh, Pentecost, Sunday which is a, a very important time for us. And, and really, uh, the Jewish nation, they're, they're celebrating Shabbat. And uh, as we look at this, even we'll look a little bit today at that, you know, it's uh, uh, 50 days from Passover, Pentecost, and they're celebrating really the first fruits offering, the, the harvest of the very first of the grain or the wheat uh, harvest in the year, and they're celebrating what God has done to be a, a great blessing to them. And even at that time, uh, after Jesus raised from the dead, they were celebrating that. And it's just a, uh, uh, an amazing thing as they were celebrating the first fruits of of the grain or the wheat that came forth, that there was a, a manifestation of really the, the beginning of what Jesus died and raised from the dead for. There was an outpouring of the spirit of God upon people. And so it changed the whole, what we call the generation or the age that we live in from the day of Pentecost. It's called the church age, or it's the time of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that age, that place, yet we call it the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. As Jonathan was saying on the uh, um, an announcements, it was really the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the earth. And really the Holy Spirit was, was given to us. And as we've been talking about, uh, you know, our series, God Help Me, that whole series is really, you know, I had hoped to be a little bit farther along at this day, but here we are, um, just the way it goes. I'm usually running a little behind uh, where I want to be. But uh, uh, to come to this day because everything that we're talking about, everything that we will talk about has to do with this day and the outpouring of the Spirit of God and the relationship that we have through the Holy Spirit of God. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He ascended on high, He didn't leave us as orphans. He didn't leave us without help. He didn't say well, you know what? I did all this but we're going to turn back to to." the law, and you know what the commandments are, and you just struggle to get by, do your best, carry your own burden, work at it, really nothing really changed, it's like you're under the law, you're under religious bondage, just go ahead and do that. He said, no, all that's been broken, and now I've given you power to be able to do it. Not in your own strength. We've already proven through the whole, uh, you know, uh, 4,000 years before Christ, they proved that they could not do it, and it took the covering and the sacrifice of bulls and goats to cover them for one year. But Jesus came as the lamb without spot, without blemish, the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of humanity. And he paid it and he paid the price so sin could be washed away, that there could be a brand new start, that there could be first fruits of that, that we could have a revelation and say, listen, I'm not going back to the law and living under the burdens of the law, but I am now able to see what Jesus did, the relationship that God wants me to have with him, and I can fulfill that, not of my own strength, but of the life that he gives me. And we talk about, you know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But even many Christians don't understand the depth of relationship. Many times when we look at the world, we experience our own relationships with other people that are broken. We have a misconception of relationship. So even when we talk about it, it's not religion, it's relationship. Because of relationships that we've had in the world, we've had to labor at them. We've had to work at them. It seems burdensome. And so we're thinking, well, this is just how it goes. You just have to always work at it, do your best, try so hard. But he said, listen, I want to I show you the difference between religion and relationship. And I'm going to make it so intimate and I'm going to make it so personal. That I'm not going to uh, uh, reside within a a, a, a tent or a temple or a building. I'm not going to have my own room within that building called the Holy of Holies that only one person can come into and call that a relationship. But I'm going to take the room that I've created on the inside of you and I'm going to come and dwell in you. So it's not, no longer an outside relation or an outside relationship or a religion to try to get to that place, to, to somehow achieve to what's going on in the inner room. but now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, that there is a relationship that you have with him that is closer than any other relationship that exists in human life, that you are in him and He is in you. And that's what began to happen on the day of Pentecost, the reality that we are no longer living without him, or we're living just to serve him, or we're living from a a year to year in the blood of bulls and goats, and the high priest is entering in uh, by the blood of bulls and goats, but Jesus entered in with his own precious blood, and he paid the price. And when he ascended on high, and he went out of here having accomplished the work, he said, I'm sending the helper and he's not just going to be with you as I have been with you, but he is going to be in you. I'm going to create the closest relationship, and in that relationship, I promise you, I will never leave you, and I will never, ever forsake you. I'll be with you wherever you go. Man, come on. He'll be with us wherever we go. See, sometimes we forget that we've talked about this a little, I don't mean to be redundant, but I think it bears repeating because we get a mindset, a religious mindset. God's back at the church, God's back in the, where I left him at prayer this morning, or when I was reading the word, that's where he is. And so we get up and we go about our day and it's easy to forget, right? When the bills come in, it's easy to forget. Man, how am I going to handle this bill? Oh my God, what's happening? It's, it's tough when you call and, and somebody on the other end doesn't understand what you're saying to get frustrated and think, man, I'm on my own. And you know, when tragedy happens, I'm just on my own struggling. I'm trying so hard to make it through the emotion of this day, the tragedy of this day. and we struggle hard with that because we're just I'm just struggling, I'm just trying to get by. And why are we doing that? Because we forget that we're not just struggling. We're not on our own. We're not on our own. And even though we know mentally, I'm not on my own, those days come when we're like, I'm on my own. I'm just trying. If somebody could just come and help me. But somebody is there to help us. In every area of life, in every facet of life, to help us, help us in our relationships, to help us in our thinking, to help us in our struggles in life, he's there to help us. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out as the helper. And great things happened. And he said, listen, I want to help you go beyond what was humanly possible. What was humanly possible? Thank you for your enthusiasm. He wants to help you. Anybody ever cried out for help? Anybody ever wish there was somebody just there to help you? Anybody ever got disappointed with people because they didn't come to help? Some of you are lying. <laughs> See, I'm not lying. I'm just not acknowledging. Come on, we've all been there. We've all been to a place where like, you know what? Somebody should come and help. We get into that works mentality. Somebody should be, I was there for them. They should be here for me. Yeah, come on. And then we get mad and we get off course. And it's just a strategy of the enemy to get us off course. Again, I'm not doing away with that. Everybody who says, whew, thank God. We don't have to go help anybody anymore. No, we're there to help each other. We know that. But ultimately, if we knew the help that we had on the inside, if we knew the help that we had on the inside, right, those are the times when people don't show up and we get upset, we have to look down and say, you know what, there's help to keep me from getting upset about this. There's help for me not to go down the wrong path. There's help that next time there's a call for help, I can go and help and not say, I'm not helping, nobody helps me, right? There's just a way to help us come above the, the fray and above that which, you know, the world would bring us to, to push us down that we don't even realize. We think we're substantiated in feeling the way that we feel. And God says, listen, that's just how the world feels. That's how people in the world, that's why relationships get shattered, why moms and dads are estranged from their children, because the enemy gets in and they're, they're upset about things and, 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 you know, it just really it breeds things that just break apart. And God wants to bring us together. And he wants us to know the intimacy of this relationship. And that day that it was poured out, he so enveloped them and equipped them and empowered them. And he said, I didn't want to just do it for those people in that room that day, but I wanted to start something that would spread throughout the age and throughout the time. And so it's called the dispensation, the time when he was poured out, but it's for a whole age and a whole time. And we're coming to the end of that age. Right. Things are about to drastically change. When Jesus comes again for his church, things are going to drastically change. And so there's a lot to be done. Right? There's a lot to be done right now. There's a lot to be done. There's darkness covering the earth. There's, there's deep darkness, the people, the deception that comes. There has to be light. There has to be that place where there's people out there living something just a little bit different. We're in this human body. We're going to work every day. You can think, well, how, you know, my marriage, my, my situation, my kids, my job, how are we going to make money? Everybody's under the same financial things. Every, everybody's under the same stuff that's going on. People are being burdened. People are worrying. People are stressed to the max. They're looking for something. And if you've received Jesus Christ, you have something. He said it's the light of the world. It's a revelation of the very purpose of God. Right? People are blaming God for everything that's going on. It's not God's fault. Man made choices. Well, if he's God, he could fix it all. Well, he did fix it all. People say, well, if God was in control of this, he would have kept that from ever happening. Well, no, he gave man choice. And man made a choice to say, I'll do it my way instead of God's way. He called that sin. He said, I'll separate you from me. But he hated being separated. Right. Well, why didn't God do something? Well, we were separated from him, living our own way, bringing destruction, all the things that were going on, and he hated it. So what did he do? He sent Jesus to pay for our sin. Well, why doesn't God do something? If God's in control, why doesn't he do He did something. He sent his only begotten son. The wages of sin was death. He did something. Why I just feel lonely. Why doesn't God do something? He sent the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, really, when you start to think about it, what more do you want God to do for you? Well, I would like him to just tell me what to do. We all think that. If he would just tell me what to do. He has told you what to do. And most of the time, we just don't want to do it. So it's always easy to deflect if God would do something. If somebody else would do something. If somebody would just tell me what to do, and then they do, and they're like, well, not that. So what I'm saying is we can see if we just try to figure it out ourselves, make our own excuses, make our own way, it never turns out good. We always create this confusion. But God, in his infinite wisdom, knew. And he poured out, he sent Jesus, but he said, you know what? From that point, what he did was he broke the power of sin, and he broke the power of the broken relationship that existed. And because all that was broken, I'm going to draw you near to myself. But I'm not just going to pull you near to myself. When I pull you near to myself, I'm going to step on the inside of you by my spirit. And in that, there is life bigger than you ever thought. And there is help that you never knew that you had. And there is strength to overcome every situation of life. And there's an anointing that resides on the inside of you that you will be released through you to help other people, yes. not just you. All right, so we better get into the word here. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles uh, to Matthew. Sorry, sound booth. Um, taking a little liberty. We'll get on the ones I gave you. I just came up with some other ones this morning where I wanted to start here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. <clears throat> just looking at the situations of life, looking at really this time that we live in, the dispensation that we have. So, you know, we, we said, you know, it's the church age. It's when the church began. It was a dispensation when the Spirit of God would pour out. We also call it the dispensation of grace. Grace, right? Instead of being under the law, we're under grace. All the epistles of Paul said if we could just grasp the understanding of not being under the law. In other words, the the words on the page, the the requirements, if you could just do it and then finding out, I just can't. By myself, in my own thinking, what's happened in my heart, I just can't. I just can't forgive. I just can't give anymore. I just can't. I'm trying, but I can't. And God says, I know you can't. I knew you couldn't from the very beginning. It's proving to you that you can't. You thought you could. You thought your way was better than my way, that you didn't have to obey me because you thought I could do better, but you can't. Isn't that funny? When we get to that point of saying, just let me do it. We do it, all of us as teenagers. (laughs) I know some of you, it's hard to remember when you were a teenager. You look at your teenagers and go, what is wrong with you? And your parents said the same thing, like, what is wrong with you? And it's that, 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 that teenage place where we've raised them, and now they're becoming adults, and they know it. They sense it. They feel it. It's time for me to make some decisions. And you're like, no, because you can't finance your decisions yet. So uh, come on, and we're, you know, I, I just, I'm going to do it my way. And as parents, we're like, not yet you're not quite there yet because you know what we've taught you. But there's a little click there between what you want to do still in your inexperience, your immaturity, and your adolescence that'll take you down the wrong path. But if you just stay a little bit longer, mature a little bit more, you'll see that the things that we were telling you were for your own good. And when you click over and you go, you know what? I don't think I'll do that. I'm a little more mature than just giving place to my desires or what's stirring. I I can see what's right. If they take that instruction, we see it. But as parents, we're like, Ah, Because doing it our own way always ends in a place. And so we're like, I'm going to do it my way. Why doesn't somebody help me? I want to do it my way, but God, I need your help. And so he just said, doing it your way, doing the way you want to do it, let me figure this out myself, never really turns out that great. So he said, my way has always been set better. Why do you resist my way? God, I want to know your will. He gives it to us. Well, I have a little nuance to that I would like to add. That will make it just a little easier for me. He said it might be easier at the time, but it will get rougher. So here he's talking to them and and says this as life bears down on us. You know, he said some things just about a number of things that had gone on before this. But he says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. How many of you have just gone through life and just felt like, man, I'm laboring and I'm trying and I'm, I'm burdened down and I'm just ready to quit. Anybody ever been there? So I'm ready to quit, man. All this stuff going on. I'm just ready to quit. And you're, you're like, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go next? What, I mean, I'm just tired. I'm, I just feel like sitting down. He says, no, it's not a good time to sit down. It's not a good time to quit when you're labored and you're heavy laden. What it's a good time for is for you to come unto me. When you don't know where else to go, when everything else you've tried, all the things you've tried your own way haven't seemed to make it, and now because you've stacked that on, you know, you can give all the things, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and I've done that, and nobody's done this, and nobody's done that, and what are you doing? You're just piling on, and you're getting heavier, and heavier, and heavier. What I've done, what other people haven't done, and you're just carrying that all around, and you have all the substantiation to go, why? Might as well just give up. He says, no, that's not a good time. It's a good time to come unto me. And when you come unto me, I'm going to give you a different perspective. And I'm going to start saying, it doesn't matter what you've done. Let's just relieve you of all that you have done. And then let's just relieve from you everything that other people have not done. And when you come unto me, you'll start to see what I have done for you. And now all of a sudden, life's not so heavy. It's not meant to be heavy. Man, that's heavy. It's not meant to be heavy. It's not meant to be burdensome. Life with him is not meant to be, sometimes Christians are the most weighed down people. They're the most burdened people because we, we, we didn't quite make that click over. Boy, I just got to do this for God. I just got to do this for God. And that's true, except for you can't do it in your own strength. It's always bigger than you. God wants me to do something, but I don't know if I can. It's bigger than me. He's like, I made it bigger than you, so you would need me. Yet, we still try to accomplish the bigger in our own strength, and then we get out there, and we're like, this is too hard. I'm too weary. And he says, don't do that. Please don't do that. I've done more for you than for you to get to the end and go, at least I made it. He wants there to be a pep to our step and a glide to our stride. I mean, really, if you thought about this, and I don't mean to touch any soft nerves, I'll, I'll just say it like this. Uh, for me, I don't want to get to the end, you know, uh, of our years together, uh, you know, Tasha and mine, our marriage, and go, well, by God, at least we made it. We hung on. It was not enjoyable. It was the toughest thing we ever did. But at least we stayed together. We didn't like it, but we stayed together. I don't want to get there. But a lot of Christians are like, that's how they're going to get to heaven. Man, at least I made it. I'm so tired. I'm so wore out. But here I am, God. Frazzled, broke down, beat down, run over. But I'm here. No, he wants us to come in. Right? With joy, with peace, having had relationship with him to the full. In relationships, you go through stuff. We've gone through stuff together. We've gone through stuff that's really uh, pressured our relationship. It's tested our love for one another. Man, I'm glad she loves me. We'd be done if she didn't love me. Right? We've gone through some stuff. So I understand the depth of love going through stuff, not quitting in the middle, but how much more God, how much more God, and to get through things. And in that struggle, just think, are we going to make it? I don't know if you've ever been there, but we've been there. I mean, just dealing with stuff, dealing with the church sometimes, dealing with circumstances. Are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? We're not ourselves right now. Under the pressure, we're not even treating each other the same as we have before. Are we going to make it? But we keep putting our trust in God. We put our trust in love for each other, and you know, amazingly enough, we've come through those and that test of our love has strengthened our love. It's not the same, you know. When I when I met her, you know, my heart would pitter patter. You know, when she would smile at me, she I still tell her that you know her smile. There's so many great things about her. All right, I got to hurry up. Um, there's so many great things about her. But her smile and her sense of humor just sets me off. I mean, I'm just like, this makes me so happy. Um, it's just such a great thing. And so when I first met her and she would smile at me, I'm just like, man, I'm smitten. This is like, ooh, ha. And so, uh, man, there's just all that pitter patter, that, that joy, that excitement, that, that fervor. And so, man, I knew I loved her. You know, there wasn't any, uh, on our wedding night, you know, as Joe said there, there wasn't any looking and going, oh my gosh, you know, you know, sometimes people, the, the, you know, I've been in, in, in the, the back room with groomsmen and, and, and the husband and they're like, uh, you, do you want to run? Uh, do you want to slip out the back? You know, and I don't know why they're saying that. I didn't want to slip out the back. I want to, let's get with it. Let's go. I'm ready. Right? I was looking forward to it. But as much as I was looking forward to that and all the emotion of that day, I love her in a different way, a deeper way. I still love that smile. She still makes my heart go pitter-patter. I still chase her around the kitchen, and she uh, doesn't like that as much but, um, as she used to. But, uh, uh, but there's so many things that we've gone through that the love is deeper, and there's really a commitment that says, you know what? I think we can get through anything. We're going to make it to the end, and we're going to be happy at the end. And that's what God wants for us. So he gave us the spirit of God that we could have that depth of relationship that you're not out there somewhere, but you're right here on the inside of me. A depth of relationship that no matter what I go through, you're going through it with me. You're helping me. And even when I don't understand what you're doing sometimes and it irritates me, I come to the place of seeing that you're there to help me through every situation. All right, I better get going. All right, let's just read these scriptures. So as they come to me you who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, listen, you've been yoked. You've been connected to all this stuff that's driving you every day. You're connected to schedules. You're connected to relationships that aren't right. You're connected to financial burdens. You're yoked to it. You can't seem to get free from it. But yet, it's it's the weak part. You're trying to pull everything. He says, listen, we're going to break that yoke of bondage. And I'm going to yoke you to me and show you how I live life, how me, how the spirit of God, how the Godhead lives life and we pull it and you can learn a different kind of life and a different quality of life, not yoked to everything of the world, but yoked unto me because I've taken on life and I've taken on your sin and I've taken on your burden and I've taken on everything that sin has done to you. And I raised victorious and I came out the other side and I know how to navigate this life. And if you'll yoke yourself to me with all the trouble, with all the difficulties, if you'll yoke yourself to me, we'll get through this life and you'll find that it's much easier to do it with me than without me. It's better to not just be religious about our Christianity, but to live in that relationship with him. Matthew chapter 11, this is the message translation. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. John the 14th chapter of the 12th verse. We've been reading this as one of our foundational texts. He said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. He said, listen, if you believe in me, You'll do the works that I do and even greater works than these. Why? Because I go to my father. Well, what significance does that have? Well, he tells them later in John 16, it's good for you that I go away. If I don't go away, I won't send the helper. But when I go away, I'm going to send the helper. And he's going to abide with you. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to live on the inside of you. And he's going to help you. And he's going to declare, disclose, and transmit to you everything from here to you. He's going to impart to you things that are amazing. Acts, the first chapter. Acts, the first chapter. Starting in the fourth fourth verse, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had, gone, they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me or to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So he said right there, he said, uh, he said to his disciples, if you love me, if, if you believe in me, if you're going to step out and do the works that I do and greater works than these shall you do also, then you're going to need a helper. And I'm going to send the helper to you. And it's good that I'm going away even though you, you're sorry that I'm going. I'm going to go and I'm going to send the helper, the comforter. And what's he going to do? He's going to empower you. He's going to empower you. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to abide with you. He's never going to leave you. He will always be there in his wisdom. He will always be there in his power. He will always be there in his grace. He will always be there... Why? Why will he always be there? Because he's not here where you can walk away from him or he can walk away from you. He's not just beside you. He's in you. He will always be there because he's in you. He will be wherever you go. We need to become more and more conscious of that every single day. Every single day. Every single day. So listen, in Acts chapter 2, many of you know this, verse 1. So he's just finished saying that. So they went to Jerusalem. They waited for him. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Fulfilled 49 days after Passover. Right there, there. The first fruit celebration has come to them. They're talking about the first fruits and they're there and they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Woo. Amazing. Then there appeared to them divided tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. It says he baptized them in fire. You know, we've said this before, you know, some people, you've been here for a number of years, but you know, for so long, I thought that that experience, you know, they're in the upper room, there's a great sound from heaven, you know, uh, uh, what a tremendous experience, the presence of God coming into that room in a manifestation where they could know it, sense it and feel it. And they're there and there's a fire there. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, all the, the tongues of fire. So I don't know, just growing up, you know, with lighters and and, and you know, big lighters. You just see that little tongue. You think of the size of your tongue, a tongue of fire. And so, just the image. I know none of you probably had this dumb image. It's just me being dumb, uh, not educated. But I just pictured tongues of fire, sat on them, sat on their head. And so, you know, it was kind of an amusing analogy to me that the Holy Spirit came and they looked and they went, "Oh, look at you. You got you got fire on your head. Isn't that something? Isn't that something?" And really, it went on like that, even though I believed, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, and I knew that baptism is in immersion and all that stuff. Uh, You know, when this Storm King fire happened, it was like a revelation. We were standing at the old church building there facing Storm King, and uh, all of a sudden the fire came over and the wind blew the fire into one of those uh, cedar trees. And man, when that fire hit that cedar tree and the pitch in that cedar tree, that thing went... And this tongue of fire went about 80 feet in the air, and while I was just standing there watching that, going whoa, it was like on the inside. Said, "Now that's a tongue of fire." And when that tongue of fire went off, what did it do? It consumed that whole tree. It just, when it hit, it just went, Phew, and the whole tree went up. And he said, "That's what it was like on the day of Pentecost." He said, "When I came upon each one of them." It was like a consuming fire. It wasn't a a Bic lighter. It was my whole presence began to consume them, baptize them in my power. And he said, that's available. It was the beginning on the day of Pentecost. And they began to go out and do things they never dreamed that they would ever do. What did they go out and do? They did the works of Jesus and even more. Why? Because now they had this external and internal experience that God was with them, empowering them from the inside out every single day. That they had a prayer language that they didn't have to just pray with their own understanding, but they could begin to pray. And when they got downhearted and they got downtrodden, they could begin to build themselves up on their most holy faith by praying in conjunction with the Holy Spirit of God, the one who knew the will of God. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought to pray, because we don't know what the will of God is in an instance or or a specific situation, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray concerning the will of God for our life. And when that becomes clearer and clearer, there's a. on the inside to accomplish that will. The day of Pentecost was the beginning of the church age. It hasn't ended yet. There's an infilling of the Spirit of God. There's an empowerment of the Spirit of God. We are the church coming to the end of the church age in a dispensation of grace where we're not trying to do it all ourselves by the requirement of the law, but we live under the grace and the empowerment and the favor and the influence of God and His Holy Spirit that we might live above the fray. We might see above the fray, not be burdened down, not be weighed down, not be heavy laden to where we quit, but now's our time to know that he's come for us and he's coming again for his church, a glorious church, not a beat down, not a wore out, not an unholy, not an unclean church, but a holy church without spot or blemish or any such thing. And you can't accomplish that by yourself. As hard as you try, you can't do it. but with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, bringing and stirring the very attributes of a new life, love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. The power of the Holy Spirit to be able to pray beyond yourself, to pray for others, to stretch forth your hand and pray. Release the power of God. There's something unique about us in this day. We just have to know it. Not strange, not, not you know, prideful. It's just being able to realize that we have a new life. We're not burdened down by sin. We're not burdened down by all the oppression. We're, we have a helper. We have the wisdom of God. We have the guidance of God. We have the power of God. I just want to read this before we go. It's a list of uh, of who the Holy Spirit is. We'll have to go on beyond here. But when you think about who the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible and all of these things, he's the helper. What's he going to help? He's going to help you with all of these things. Right? So he's, he's referred to as the comforter. He'll comfort you when you need help. He's the holy one. We talked about that. He's going to help you with holiness. He is the Lord. Second Corinthians three seventeen says, Wherever he's allowed to be Lord, right? There's freedom. There's freedom to become all that you were created to be. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to declare all truth to you. He's the spirit of Christ. You'll know that Jesus lives on the inside of you. He's the spirit. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 2, he lists all these things. He covers about the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of might, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You need some, some help with knowledge. You need some help with wisdom. You need some help with understanding. He's the spirit that brings all those things. He'll help you. That's who he is right? He's the spirit of the father, the spirit of glory, the spirit of grace, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of burning, the spirit of life, the spirit of love, the spirit of power, the spirit of a sound mind, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of a holy God. Wow. Say, man, I could use some help with a couple of things. I need some knowledge It'd be good if I could rightly judge this situation. Well, he knows how to judge every situation. And we're looking out here for all this stuff. Man, we have the one who created the universe, the one who hovered over the face of the deep, living on the inside of us, knowing, listen, we're not just trying to struggle with a dead religion, but we have a personal relationship, the closest relationship known to man. We say, God, help me. Something comes from the inside. Hello, I'm right here. Well, what are you doing in there? I'm here to help you. And we'll break that down because he's not, you know, a lot of Christians are like, well, I received the Holy Spirit. Well, what's he doing in there? Well, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Well, what's he doing in there? Well, I don't really know. But he's in you. He's working in you every day. To willing to do of God's good pleasure. It's an amazing thing about our Christian life. It's amazing thing about the day of Pentecost. Is God said, I don't ever want you to be alone and helpless and hopeless ever again. So I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you know you're never alone. You're never hopeless. And you should never be helpless. Because I'm with you wherever you go. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you sent the Holy Spirit. That as we receive what you've done for us, we receive you as our Lord, our Savior. Something supernatural happens. You, by your Spirit, come to live on the inside of us. Having washed us from sin, the stain of sin, the guilt and the shame of that. You come to live on the inside of us. That we can live free from that. And begin to walk a new kind of life. A new quality of life. Not on our own. We prove that that struggle of our own. We always come up short. Increase us in the knowledge of you. Your presence within our heart. Reassure us once again. Again the strength that you bring. For you said in your word, it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in bodily harm and trouble. You didn't denote there wouldn't be bodily harm, there wouldn't be trouble. You knew it would come. But the strong spirit of a man, you said, he who has a broken spirit, who can bear up under the pressure? So we don't want to be those of a broken spirit, but strong in spirit help each one, help each one, help each one today to realize, to go from here with great joy and rejoicing that they are not alone, that you began something on the day of Pentecost about 2,000 years ago that is still the most powerful thing that exists on the face of the earth today, your spirit in man, in your church to accomplish your will on the earth you come again. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, there will be altar workers up here to pray with you, to pray for you. Uh, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you know you need to. I just need to know Jesus. I need to have his spirit living on the inside of me. Come and tell them. You've never experienced that. You've never prayed that prayer. They'll pray with you, lead you in a prayer where you can know, I've accepted Jesus and the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of me. Say this we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Jesus. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? Yes. By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.